Thank you for joining the podcast of Clifton Baptist Church in Forest, Mississippi. Our prayer is that you will be blessed by a message from our pulpit today. Thank you for joining us, and may God bless you. All right. That last song, Don't Wake You Up, right there, you got to stay awake to know what part you're supposed to have there and where you're at in the song, and that'll, that'll get, you, get you going right there. If you will, open up your copy of God's Word to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. We will, uh, as I mentioned uh, previously in our study of Jonah, we will wrap up tonight uh, in Jonah chapter 4. And last week, um, just to kind of give you a brief recap, we did look at the second chance that Jonah had received from God. And we talked about how uh, we are recipients of those second chances and some of us third chances and some of us fourth chances and uh, being a pastor I've been given thousands of chances and so I know you can understand that but uh, we looked at the second chance that Jonah received from God and um, we also looked at in Jonah chapter 3 the spiritual revival that took place at Nineveh due to the eventual obedience of Jonah, so much so that even the king took notice. It got the king's attention. And so um, it, it was a great revival that was taking place amongst the people. And uh, uh, it come out of uh, an act of Jonah's uh, eventual obedience. He should have just been obedient from the beginning, uh, from the get-go, but he wasn't. So, uh, but, but he learned his lesson, and, and, and we saw that. Uh, God still do a mighty work there in Jonah chapter 3. So we find ourselves tonight in Jonah chapter 4. And last week I titled it Preaching, just simple, just one word. We looked at the preaching in chapter 3 that Jonah did. We don't know much about the preaching. We don't know a whole lot about his ministry there, but we do know that it was effective. But now in Jonah chapter 4, we're going to see the pouting, okay? The pouting. And, and uh, uh, truth is, if, if Jonah had just ended in chapter 3, he would have been written as a hero of sorts. And uh, as we left off in chapter 3, we left off with that great note of this great revival that was taking place, the great happenings of, of what it is that God was doing. But now we get to Jonah chapter 4, and we, we see that, uh, you, know, you know, you ever know an athlete that uh, should have retired about five years before they did? Y'all know the ones I'm talking about, Okay. And uh, it's like they just got to keep playing and they got to keep playing. And you're like, man, if you just would have ended your career right here, you know, it would have been so much better. You could have gone out as a hero. And so uh, if Jonah had just ended in chapter 3, he could have went out as a hero. But we're going to see here in chapter 4 that that is not the case of of what happens. Um, And to be quite honest with you, the reason I believe that, that, that Jonah chapter 4, that we get to see the, the, the real angst and the real insight here of Jonah is because if we're being honest, God doesn't just look at the outward things, okay? Things can be going great on the outside, right? Your marriage can look perfect on the outside to everybody else, but behind closed doors it can be falling apart. You can put on a smile before your family, for the holidays and everything could be going great, you put on a smile, cheese, all that good stuff for the photos, but maybe behind closed doors things aren't going so well for you. So God doesn't just focus on the outward things, He also looks at the heart. First Samuel chapter 16, 
Verse 7 tells us that, that God looks at the heart of the matter. He looks at our inward heart. We also know that God looks at our motives. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 tells us that. God isn't just focused on the outward initiative, the outward appearance, how things look to be on the outside. He wants to look at the inside as well. Look at the inside as well. And so that's what we see in Jonah chapter 4. We've seen the great revival. We've seen the outside approach. We've seen how great things are going on the outside. Now let's see how they're crumbling on the inside. So a couple things I want to show you tonight in regards to God's relationship with Jonah and how it reflects here in chapter 4. The first thing is I want you to see is God hears Jonah. God hears Jonah. If you'll look at the first four verses with me. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentance thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Verse 4. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So in these first four verses, we see here that God hears Jonah. We see, and he prayed. Look, look. Verse number 2. And he prayed unto the Lord. For the second time, now if you'll recall, while we're talking about second chances in, in the last chapter, for the second time now, we see Jonah pray. However, his second prayer is much different than his first prayer. If you recall, his first prayer came from a broken heart. He was broken. His second prayer comes from an angry heart. He's angry here in chapter 4. His first prayer, he asked God to save him. Remember, he's... he's Jonah was really in a pickle of a situation. He says, God, can you save me in his first prayer? In his second prayer, we see here that he asked God to take his life. He's angry. He says, God, it just be better for me to die, is literally what he says, than to live in verse 3. So we see that this second prayer of Jonah here in chapter 4. And remember, Jonah was ready to give up. He was ready to give up. Uh, previously as well when he says, hey, listen, this, the, the, the ocean is raging. The storm, the, the storm is going on. Just throw me overboard so you all can live. I'm the problem. I know, I know I'm the problem. So just remove me and your problem will be solved. But yet God had other intentions. God had other plans. God said, Jonah, you're not the problem, but what you're doing is the problem. You're not the problem. It's the fact that you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. And so we see this second prayer here of Jonah. And this time it does come from an angry heart. But we also see in verse 2, as, as God hears Jonah, we see in verse 2 that Jonah provides the characteristics of God. You see that there? And he prayed to the Lord and he said to thee, Was not my saying in my country, therefore before I fled to Tarshish, I knew, he says, thou art a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness. So, so Jonah is, is literally listing the characteristics here of 
God. And to be honest, it, it gives us an insight into why Jonah fled in the first place. Jonah fled in the first place because he knew that God was a gracious God. Jonah fled, knew that he could, he could flee because he knew that God would be slow to anger and of great kindness. So here, here what I believe is we see Jonah is, is a little bit taking advantage of the kindness of God. Taking advantage of the kindness of God. Some of us, if we're honest Christians, have done the very same thing. We've taken the kindness of God. We've known that God is good to us. And we've taken advantage of that. And we sat in our pews. And we said, all right, God, appreciate you being good to me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Appreciate that. Like, you know, like we've just, we've got some spiritual inheritance. And we do. We have the greatest spiritual inheritance ever. But that don't mean we just sit around and wait on it. So Jonah here, he, he knows that, that God is this gracious God. And so he says, well, because he's this gracious God, I, I know he'll give me a second chance. I know he'll be slow to anger. And he uses those characteristics to his own advantage so that he could abuse them. fact of the matter is, we all know some Jonas in our life. People that, that, that take advantage of certain situations. People that take advantage of people's kindness. I know plenty... Remember, before I was a preacher, I was in the banking industry. You know what I? You know what happens this time of year? People try to take advantage of, of elderly people. They try to scam people. They try to call you and tell you they're with the CIA and you must send them fifty dollars right now, or they're gonna, you know, turn off your cell phone. All these crazy things. They take advantage of people. But I think really the root of the problem here, if knowing all that we know, okay, and I want us to. Back up here for just a minute. Knowing everything that we know, I believe that Jonah is actually trying to do a little bit of damage control here. And I'm going to explain to you why I believe he's doing such a thing. If you ever notice some athletes, um, some celebrities, uh, some large companies, they will hire these PR firms, these public relations firms. They'll hire these firms. They'll hire people. Uh, and, and they'll do so with the sense that they um, want to make sure that when something comes out about them, that the proper statement is released. They want to make sure that if they're going to release a statement of some sorts, that it's worded exactly how it needs to be to make sure they don't get in any type of legal trouble, to make sure it's, uh, th- they don't get into any type of uh, criminal trouble, whatever the case may be. Attorneys are good at it, right? If you've got somebody that's, that's um, been accused of something, they can release. So, so I say that because I believe Jonah here is trying to do a little bit of that. He's try- and in reality, why do those people hire those public? They, they do that so that their image is protected, right? That's all they care about. They want to make sure that their name, that their image, that all of that that their fame, whatever it may be, their whatever, that it is protected. Now, the reason I believe Jonah is doing a little bit of this here is because if you'll recall, one of the main reasons that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh to begin with was because he didn't like the Ninevites. Everybody around him didn't like the Ninevites. They're evil people. God, why do you want me to go and preach to these evil folks? Why do you... I mean, just, just can't you just let them just die off somewhere over here, God? Like, why do you want me to go and preach to these lost people? 
So I believe what Jonah's doing here, because at this point, let's think about what we just read in chapter 3, okay? Let's piggyback off of this. What we just saw in chapter 3, Jonah goes and, does, and God does a great work in Nineveh, right? There's a revival that takes place. I mean, God is just showing out. And so as he's doing so, okay, and, and, and God has a, a great way of working like that. He, he goes and he uses Jonah to get done exactly what he wanted to get done all along. There's this great revival that takes place. Well, guess what? To the Ninevites, they're probably looking at Jonah going, this guy's a hero, right? This guy's come in. He's led a revival. I mean, spiritually, he's, he's, they're probably saying nice things about Jonah. And I can just hear Jonah right now saying, this makes it back to my hometown. I've been down here preaching to the Ninevites and God's been working over here. Man, if they find out about this back home, they're going to think I'm friends with these people. They're, they're going to think me and the Ninevites are buddy-buddy now. And so Jonah goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. And so Jonah begins to get angry. Jonah begins to, to, to say things like, well, 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 wait a minute here. I, 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 I don't know. And we're going to see here in just a minute a little bit more of that. So, so first God hears Jonah and, and, he, and he responds. The Lord does in verse 4. He says, what good is it to be angry? Right? What does thou to be angry? What good is it to be angry? That's, that's, that's what God is asking of, of Jonah right here. Hey, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Jonah? Don't you just remember what we did in chapter 3 over here? Don't you just remember? I mean, we, we just come off this great revival. Now all of a sudden you're angry? Like, that doesn't make any sense. God hears Jonah. Secondly, God reminds Jonah. Look at verses 5 through 8 with me. So Jonah went out of the city, and he sat on the east side of the city, and there he made him a booth, and he sat it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Okay, so here we go. He separates himself. We'll get back to that in just a minute. Verse 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd, and he made it to come up over Jonah. That's just a, 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 a large vine of sorts, okay? That it might shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm, verse 7 says, and when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd, that it withered. And it came to pass, in verse 8, that when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat up on the head of Jonah, and he fainted, and he wished himself to die, and he said, it is better for me to die than to live. So he says it again. So we see here in, in, in verses 5 through 8 that God reminds Jonah. First God hears Jonah, then God reminds Jonah. Speaking of second times here, not only did Jonah pray for the second time in chapter 4, but he also abandoned his place of ministry for the second time. Okay? He Remember, this is Jonah's good at, he's getting good at this running away thing here. He goes over, verse 5 it says, And Jonah went out of the city, and he sat on the east side of the city, and there he made him a booth, and he sat under it, till he might see what would become of the city. So he said, wait a minute, they're about to find out back at home that, I, that I'm friends with these people. I better remove myself quickly from them. So he goes and he takes himself out of the city, okay? And he says, well, I'm just gonna... He, do, he does what, what even we do today, us nosy people. 
he goes over here and he says, well, I want to remove myself from the city, but I kind of want to, I kind of want to see what's going to go on over there, you know? I kind of want to, I'm kind of interested. I'm still invested. I want to know what's going to go on. So I want to kind of watch from a distance. It's like me and fireworks. I like to watch them, but I like to watch them from a distance, okay? And um, there's obvious reasons for that. And I, I still have, I'm still good. So, but many people, uh, I don't, uh, that's not the case. It's very unfortunate. But he says, I want to kind of watch from a distance. And so we see these series of events that take place here. And it's a great reminder to Jonah. The Lord knew that Jonah was, was uncomfortable here in this, sitting in this booth. He goes, Jonah goes out of the city. He sits in this booth, okay? And he sat under it until there was shadow to see what would come to the city. And so the Lord, knowing that Jonah was uncomfortable... He goes and he graciously causes a vine or a gourd, as we see here, to, to be there alongside Jonah to help him, uh, to protect him from the hot sun. And then verse 6 says that Jonah was exceedingly glad. So here's Jonah. I, I mean, this is just, this is almost, this back and forth is just almost baffling to me. You know, here, here's Jonah and and. God's been good to him, and Jonah's playing this back and forth with God here, and, and Jonah decides, I'm going to distance myself from them, but I'm going to wait over here in this booth and watch and see. And, and, and so God says, all right, Jonah, I'm going to give you a vine to, to grow up beside you there to protect you from the sun. However, in verse 7, we see the next morning, God prepared a worm that would destroy the vine. He would destroy it. Just like God had already done in the depths of the sea, God was reminding Jonah what it was like to be helpless and hopeless. Remember when, when, when Jonah had been swallowed up by that prepared fish, the Bible tells us, God wanted Jonah to know what it was like to be helpless and to be hopeless. And he wanted him to know that because that's the reality of the Ninevites. They were helpless. They were hopeless people. They had, without Jonah being obedient, they could do nothing. And so Jonah was obedient and he helped him through that. But for a moment, they were helpless and hopeless. And so he, Jonah needed to understand that so that he could go and help them. And so Jonah's happy. Jonah goes from angry. He separates himself. Jonah's like a, like a, like a kid right here in a candy store that just wants something and they get it. And then it's not good enough for them. And so... I want something else now, and then they get that. And then eventually here we see that um, God just eventually just takes that worm and says, Okay, Jonah, I'm going to give you that. Nope, I'm going to prepare it. And, and so really what I get out of this, and I hope you'll get this out of, out of this text also, is something so simple as this vine, this gourd, as it says here. Something so simple as... This separation from the city is what's making Jonah happy. Jonah's going from angry to happy here. He's going, it, it, he's going from, from literally angry in verse uh, number 1 to it says that, that, that he uh, w w was exceedingly glad in verse 6 because God had prepared this. He's just going from angry to happy. I mean, he's literally like a, he, he's like a pouting kid. He's like a pouting kid. And so, church, I, I got to thinking about this, and I wanted to ask myself this, and I want to ask you this tonight. And I feel like this is good 
for ever so often, we should ask ourselves, what are the things that make us happy? Like, just think about that. What are the, seriously, like, what are the things that make you happy? What are the things that make you unhappy? And then lastly, do those things align up with God? That's the real question. Do the things that make you happy and the things that make you unhappy, do those things align with God? Or are we like Jonah? Are we just happy with, you know, because we want this over here and God gives us this over here and, uh, nah, it's not good enough. I kind of want this over here and God gives us, a, gives us this over here and then God takes it away and we become angry and we become happy when he gives us something and we become angry when he doesn't give us something. Do the things line up with God. <laughs> In chapter 3, it, it, it amazes me. Well, it doesn't amaze me. I, I shouldn't say it amazes me. But here's Jonah who has this whole messed up perspective and yet, God still brings about revival to the people. I mean, it just, it just goes to show you that it's not me. It's not any preacher in America. I don't, care, I don't care who gets behind any pulpit this morning, tonight, Wednesday night. I don't care how good they sing. I don't care if they got hair, if they wear toupees. I don't care if they got the nicest suits in the world. It doesn't matter. It's not us, it's God. Because look at what happens with Jonah here. Jonah has the whole, I mean, his whole mindset, his whole heart about this entire situation is just completely messed up. And yet God says, I just need you to be obedient. I don't, <laughs> Jonah, I don't really need you to do much, man. I just kind of need you to show up. I just need to know that you'll do it. So not only, so, so, so God is, reminding Jonah of these things. God hears Jonah, God reminds Jonah, and then God instructs Jonah, verses 9 through 11. And God said unto Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death, he says. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night, and perished in a night. And should not, then so 9 and 10, God's going back and forth with Jonah about this gourd right here, right? I mean, Jonah's, Jonah's so focused on this gourd, on this vine. He's so focused on, on how it, it made him happy, and then he got angry. And, and, but, but verse 11, God really gets down to what the whole issue is about right here. It's like, I know this doesn't happen in your house. It doesn't happen, maybe doesn't happen in ours, but you ever get in a little disagreement with your spouse? Like, and it's not even real, the disagreement's not even really what you're disagreeing about at the time. It's like, it's really something else that's been going on for, you know, like um, your wife's been telling you to do something for like a month, you know, and you hadn't done it. And then all of a sudden she decides to get on to you about, you're not doing something else, and then it's this, and that's this. And really what it's really about is because for a month now, she's been trying to get you to do this over here. And that's what God's doing in, 
right, right here in verse number 11, he's saying, well, let me tell you what, what's really going on. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between the right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? He's saying, Jonah, should I not spare Nineveh? I mean, you're over here, boy, dude, you're over here worried about a vine and what makes you happy and what makes you sad and do you want chocolate ice cream? Do you want vanilla? Just eat the ice cream, son. You know, you're over here worried about this. Should I not spare Nineveh? See, that tells us the difference in God and Jonah. Jonah's worried about materialistic things that make him happy and God's saying, hey, we got souls over here. We got people over here. We, we, we got spiritual matters over here. We got revivals over here. Do, the, the, they can't tell, they can't discern between the right hand and their left hand. And you're worried about a vine. Should I not spare Nineveh, that great city? And so God, in verses 9 through 11, he instructs Jonah. He instructs Jonah. Boy, Jonah's been, Jonah's been had a lot of instruction, right? Some need more instruction than others, don't they? I was, I was one of those, okay? Here's, here's what we see here in verses 9 through 11. God is still speaking to Jonah. Jonah is still answering God. He's just not answering with the correct, with the correct answers. God's speaking to Jonah. Jonah's still answering. Jonah's just not giving the right answer. It's kind of like I, I, I like to... Uh, uh, sometimes, you know, if I, if I catch it on and growing up, I like to watch these cop shows. And uh, I like to watch, you know, all because every time it's something different, you know, and somebody's getting pulled over and, and, and all that. And, and I'm watching, you know, watching on TV and, you know, somebody gets pulled over and like, you know what they should say. You know what the answer, you know, the cop is asking them questions and going through the, you know, going, going through the, the, the spill with these people. And, you know, the, and, and they'll ask them questions and you're like, you're answering for them through the TV. Like, just tell them the truth. You know, that's what I want to say. Just tell them the truth. Like, you'd get in so much less trouble if you would just tell them the truth. But, you know, they start lying or they'll, they'll tell them this or they'll tell them that. They're giving them all the wrong answers. They're giving them all the wrong answers. And um, that's kind of what Jonah's doing here. He's answering God, but he's not giving God the right answers. And God is still instructing Jonah. And chapter 4 is just one more lesson for Jonah to learn. In chapter 1, Jonah learned the, the lesson of God's providence and God's patience. That you cannot run away from God. You cannot run away from God. Period. You can't do it. Chapter 2, Jonah learned that the lesson of God's pardon, that God forgives those who call upon Him, that God gives those chances. In chapter 3, Jonah learned the, the power of God, God's power. He saw a whole city humble themselves and turn to God. Now he learns the, the lesson of God's pity, that God had compassion for those that are lost. And we as believers should have that very same compassion toward those people. We should have that same compassion. We should have that same compassion. Jonah showed more compassion for a gourd 
for a vine than he did for the people of Nineveh. Chapter 11, I'm sorry, verse 11, that we see close out here in chapter 4. God closes out this verse with a question to Jonah. He's asking Jonah a question. And I don't, I, I don't know, you, you, you are a lot smarter than me. You may know this, but there are only two books in the Bible that end with a question. Jonah and Nahum. Both of those end with the question. Nahum ends with the question about God's punishment for Nineveh. And then we see here that Jonah ends with a question about God's pity for Nineveh. And should not I spare Nineveh? God is asking a question to Jonah here. We don't know how Jonah responds to that. Right? This is it. This is, this, this is it. God asks a question. Probably would have been repeat on what we've seen up to this point. But we hope that Jonah yielded to God's ways. Um, God's sitting here asking Jonah if he should spare Nineveh and wasn't Jonah himself spared? There's a lot of irony in that, right? I mean, Jonah's been spared. Jonah's, Jonah's had the second chances. And yet, he doesn't want to give so to Nineveh. Church, I want to ask you tonight, should sinners be spared? Think about that to yourself tonight. Should sinners be spared? Should sinners be given second chances? Should lost people be given second chances? Now, we can't answer that question for Jonah in regards to Nineveh, but we can answer that question for ourselves tonight. Should sinners be given second chances? I'll tell you, I'm thankful. And I, I know testimony after testimony after testimony of second chances that people have received from God and they've changed their life. Second chances, third chances, fourth chances that they've received from God. And so the question is, church, what are we doing about that? We, we, all, have, we all have Ninevites around us. We all have people around us that as we see here in chapter 4, that cannot discern their right hand from their left hand, spiritually speaking. We all have people around us that need our spiritual guidance to help them. We all have people that are lost and in the darkness and need us to be the light for them. I just wonder, church, tonight, are we, are we like Jonah? Are we just kind of sitting over here from a distance? saying, Well, those sinners... Maybe one day they'll get it figured out. Sit over here and watch them. You know, in case it does blow up, I want to see it happen. But you know, those sinners, maybe, maybe somebody will finally get through to them. Maybe, maybe they'll get it right. Maybe they don't. Are, are we, are we like Jonah? We want to be. People that says, "Hey, listen, I, you know, people are people worry about sharing the gospel. People worry about inviting people to church. People worry about how is this going to look or how am I going to be perceived." Listen, most of the time, God just wants us to be like Jonah. He just needs us to show up. 
He'll do the rest. He'll take care of everything else for you. He just needs us to be obedient and say, okay, Lord, I, I, yeah, there are some Ninevites around me. There are some people around me that are lost. There are some people around me that I can share with and be a witness to those people. Heads bowed, eyes closed tonight.